raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Meantime, on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Pipeline, the former Colts offensive lineman. Uh, he's a part of Colts Roundtable Live. He's a part of the Colts Radio Network. He's a part of what we do on the Colts pregame show as well. It's uh, Joe Rice with us. I, I kind of came, Joe, to a breaking point. Um, am, am I altogether a believer in what transpired earlier this week and the direction they're going with the interim head coach and you know bringing in Parks Frazier to, to call the plays and doing that within a week where you have to prepare to actually play an NFL game on the road coming up on Sunday? But I've heard so much overblown, so much hyperbole about this throughout the NFL. To me, I want to see the Colts go in on Sunday and whip some ass. Honestly, I do. I'm at that point right now. Without being a cheerleader, picking against them, by the way, going to Vegas, I want to see them whip some ass because I'm over it all. Uh, I agree. And, uh, John, always good to be on with you. I love your fire here on a Friday afternoon. And I'm the same way. And and I'm going to be a cheerleader for the team because I love this team and I played for this team. And I love Jeff Saturday. He was a great teammate to me for two years and really did a lot for me in the formative part of my career. But where I'm at, like everybody, I wasn't shocked that Frank got fired after the game. You know, I was maybe a bit surprised, and you never want to see a coach go. But it's clear something needed to happen, you know, because of the way things kind of went from bad to worse, from Tennessee to Washington to New England. And I was shocked that Jeff got hired. It was unique. It hadn't been done before, out of the box, whatever you want to say. But bottom line, you know, to come in here and say that it's disrespectful to NFL coaches, you know, I hear that on one end. On the other end, you didn't just hire a TV analyst, right? You hired a guy that's been in this building, that was a part of greatness, that was a part of this franchise when the bar, the low end of the bar, as fans know, was to win 11, 12 games and win the division. That was the standard that was expected. And, and right. I can only guess that Mr. Ursay says, hey, the culture here has eroded. We're not where we want to be really, you know, since Christmas Day, things have kind of gone south, you know, since with the Colts beat the Cardinals there and then lost the last two. And it's gone from bad to worse. And to try to change things up and shake up the culture. And I'll say this about Jeff, and I've watched a couple of his press conferences like everybody else. He's not scared. And he's got nothing to lose. And see where this eight games go. And from a player perspective, So I'm a player in that room. A coach gets let go. It's sad. It's unfortunate. It's not good for anybody. But you're sitting up a little bit straighter in the meetings because what that tells you is everybody's on notice. Everybody in that building, from players to coaches, you know, to everybody running around, it's all about performance. It's all about getting evaluated these last eight weeks. And I'm with you. This team knows what they can do. They've won games. A lot of these guys played in the NFL a long time. Go out there to Vegas and get a win. And a win can go a long ways you know, to just soften and everything, you know, and all the angst and anxiety and frustration around the building nationally, et cetera. So Joe Wright's with us, the former Colts offensive lineman here on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Joe, we had a late arrival here with us here at the Westside Pub. Chris Hagan to Fox 59 is here, and I believe he wants to lob you a call off camera, which I guess wow. is good, Hagan, if Hagan's off camera. You have a question for Joe here you want to jump in? Uh, Joe, um, longtime listener, first-time caller. Um <laughs> We've seen in college football this year um, when you get an interim coach and sometimes these teams have gone out there and performed well, even won some games. And I think that a lot of that is like the rah-rah factor, you know, for these college players. I don't think that's going to be the same, 
you know, at the pro level, but could you speak to that, what it is? I talked to a lot of the guys in the locker room, and they do say they, they feel kind of reinvigorated. They have a different energy. Is that something, at least in the short term, you can play off of as well? I think definitely in the short term. There's always a different energy when you change a coach, you change a quarterback. You'll see teams do that from time to time, right? When Clemson was playing a couple of weeks ago and Dabo makes the switch, instantly they get energy, they go down and score. But to me, it's more about execution at the end of the day. You're playing a team, Vegas, that's desperate. They need to win. They're upset with their coach. And the bottom line, professionals are going to be professionals. What I'm most interested in is offensively. This team has really been abysmal offensively all year. It's a combination of a lot of different factors. But I think the defense has played well, and it sounds like Sat's going to let Gus Bradley do his thing. The special teams, overall, I think Bubba has done a nice job, and they're going to do their thing. But offensively, where does this team go? What's the identity of this team offensively? Unfortunately, through nine games, you really don't have one. Parks Frazier's calling plays for the first time. To me, that's really the thing that I'm going to be watching, you know, um, you guys in game, because I thought Rick Venturi made a great point Monday when we were doing our Monday night radio show. Anybody can put together a game plan, and anybody can have the game plan throughout the week, come up with it. But calling plays on Sunday, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, that's a unique skill set and differentiator. And I think that's where the Colts have really struggled in a lot of times play calling this year. So I'm excited to see, you know, Parks Frazier. He's new, never done it before. He's going to be a little bit unknown. But um, that's what I'm going to be watching from a schematic standpoint that I think really when we're, we're finding out who wins at the end of the game, Vegas or the Colts, it's going to be offensively. And can we get some things dialed up we haven't been able to do this year so far? Hey, Joe, as I mentioned earlier, too, I'm not really excited about seeing the offense because I think they're going to stink because they stunk last week and they stunk most often this season. I, I just I want to see these guys kick it into gear because I, I'm really at, at this Friday point, I'm sick of this being, as Joe Thomas put it, such an egregious deal to some. And all that is – that is a Friday morning show where one of six guys have to sound like that they're different or, uh, I, I guess, more critical than the other in this case. That's the crap that I'm sick of. I, I don't really believe in what's going down right now, but I would like to see the Colts step up in a capacity in which we have not seen them step up. Do I expect it? No. Would I want to see it Sunday? Absolutely. No question. And again, offensively is going to drive the ship. When you look at just this year, we haven't run the ball like we should have. We haven't protected like we need to. And we've turned the ball over at a high, high rate. You go back to those games in Tennessee and Washington, it's turnover differential. And that's the bottom line. You know, we throw a pick six last week. You can't win, especially when the Colts and you're struggling a little bit by being one, two, three turnover differential and giving the team six points on that side of the football. And so, with Ellinger, what do they dial up? I think that they've been pretty tempered, so to speak, in terms of in the first two games. You know, they haven't run a lot of, uh, you know, they haven't run the triple option or, you know, zone read, you know, kind of different crazy looks that I think Sam's very capable of. And I'll be interested to see. I know him and Parks have a really close relationship. Do they do some things differently that other teams haven't seen on film? And then the other issue is Jonathan Taylor in the running game. You know, Jonathan Taylor since week one really hasn't been – what we've seen and come to expect of him. I don't think that's a product as much as him, although he's dealt with some injuries as the offensive line and blocking. And again, something, John, we've been talking about all year. I've been talking about the, the ability to block with a tight end, something that we haven't done. Woods is out. You know, Mo Alley didn't practice a couple of days. Granson, you know, may be the only kind of healthy tight end on the, the roster. But what can we do, do differently schematically in the run game? And I just know from experience, 
and when Jeff was playing, we did a lot of things differently than just running kind of inside zone like this team has kind of done really just vanilla run game stuff year to date. I'll be interested to see if we dial up some different things in the running game to try to pop and get that going because that's where we got to start offensively, especially with a young quarterback like Sam. Let's have Joe Rides on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Two things here. One is you saw last week, and it was interesting to me, there was a little to no movement and moving the pocket around with with Ellinger. I, I, the, the game plan offensively uh, seemed ridiculous. Uh, going to be overwhelmed anyway by Matthew Judon, which they were, but yeah, the fact they kind of stuck with what they started with and it never changed was kind of ridiculous to me. And the other thing, do you believe, you believe that Sam Ellinger in this case gives this team Sunday a better chance to win, for example, than does Matt Ryan? Uh, yeah, and I heard you know earlier, correct me if I'm wrong, but Matt Ryan's going to be the backup. Is that right? He is going to be the backup. I, I thought either he or Nick Foles gives them a better chance to win Sunday than Ellinger. You, know, you agree or disagree? You know, I, I would say neutral on that question. You know, If you'd asked me after the Tennessee game just how we turned the ball over, I think we talked about it. I thought Ellinger gave us a better chance to win against Washington. You know, now, New England was a different animal going up there. And, again, nothing went right. You give up nine sacks. I mean, you know, we didn't block Matthew Judon on third down and Deion Jackson went the other way. I mean, that stuff's inexcusable, right? You can't do that stuff, you know, at high school, let alone the NFL, and want to try to win games. So everybody's got to be better and sharper offensively. Again, I'm looking at the X's and O's, the plays calls, and I'm looking at those 11 guys that are on the field offensively because clearly that's been this biggest issue. And guys know that, and guys feel that, and all of a sudden your coach, who's an offensive coach and calling the plays, gets let go. Well, where does that blame lead to, John, right? It, it falls on the players. That's how I would view it. Like, hey, you know, our coach was yeah. fired because we didn't do a good enough job. We got to step up. Let's take some ownership for ourselves in this unit, and let's go out and play, and let's just, you know, never again put that performance, you know, on tape like they had against New England because that, again, you, there's different moments that you're watching and kind of seeing it unfold, and that's how I felt in that game. It was, it was so bad and almost so deflating that, you know, I uh, watching it wasn't as much upset as I just was kind of sad about it. And I think that's what, you know, led to a move of this magnitude. You, you kind of had to do something to shake things up. Joe, when you, when you think about, you know, they're not throwing in the towel, you know, they're not waving the white flag. Uh, that's one thing for the owner and the, the interim coach to say, but going in that locker room, that's not the way professionals think, is it? That's not the – they're not thinking about next year in a draft pick. They're thinking about this is their profession, this is pride, and so there's not going to be any of that, well, let's just go play out the string, is there? Here, Here's my view if I'm sitting in that locker room, Chris. There's eight games left. Our coach was fired midseason. We're 3-5-1. and one. We have clearly um, underachieved our expectations and the thoughts that this team was going to win the division this year. My butt's worrying about myself, and i got to go out and play. There's eight games left in the season. I want to play. It's really fun to play professional football for a living. Is it hard? Yeah. But they pay us a lot of money to play a kid's game. And to me, I want my career to go on as long as I can. And I want to be in Indianapolis because I love this place. And so i got to go out and do me. And i got to go out and play. And 53 guys collectively, they have that attitude. they got to play inspired. But I don't think this team has played inspired at all this year especially not the last few games, especially not Sunday. And to me, again, when a coach gets fired, when things get shaken up, everybody's on notice. Jeff Saturday doesn't know those guys. They don't know Jeff Saturday. And so they're walking around and they're thinking, okay, I better perform here. 
or otherwise, again, my job is going to be on the line. And to me, that's why Mr. Ursay made this move. You bring in somebody completely different that really has no skin in the game prior to when he showed up in the building on Monday, somebody that's been there, experienced success, has a, a high you know, success and knows what a winning culture feels like, and kind of everybody should be on notice if that makes sense. That would be my view if I'm a player, that I got to do my job or I'm not going to be in this building next year, and I really want to be in this building because it's a lot of fun to play football in the NFL. Yeah, and it looks like Shaquille Leonard going on the injured list, which uh, a lot of people suggest probably will be for the remainder of the season. And I'll be honest with you, whether or not it happened this week and there was this quote-unquote setback, he didn't look right coming back anyway. Did you see the same thing as I did? I mean, he didn't look even close to being what we saw, even as he was injured a year ago in that playmaking ability. I would agree. You know, he didn't have the same explosiveness. You know, he wasn't coming downhill as much, you know, in the run game. He obviously had the big interception, you know, a couple weeks back. But but he definitely didn't look like himself. And I think, you know, it's unfortunate. And, you know, long term, I'm sure for them, short and long, just get him healthy and back to the the maniac and, and the player that he was. I also think, you know, Zaire Franklin has played so well. That affords you that luxury a little bit, too. I mean, he's been a stud. I mean, he's been a, a really bright spot you know, in a season so far that probably has more dim. But, you know, I've been super impressed with Zaire. And uh, also, yeah, again, it's it's something where he came back. And, yeah, I would agree. He just didn't look the same, didn't look the same explosive. It didn't look like the same guy feeling comfortable on tape. So I'm sure be interested to see, you know, is this a one-week thing, two-week? Does it it drag on into the season? You know, time will unfold and tell that story. All right. Joe, I appreciate you jumping on here. I hope uh, everything's good with Jill. And everybody's feeling better back up there. Thankfully, she's much tougher than I am. Uh, it reminds <laughs> me of a call we had. I don't know why it just came to mind, but we were going out to play Denver in the playoffs, and I was doing an interview, and we were all fired up. And I was inside sitting on the couch with my leg propped up, and she was out snow blowing the driveway. So there you go. So uh, thanks nice. for doing well. Appreciate <laughs> your, uh, your, your thoughts <laughs> and, and your text and, uh, you know, concern for her. I remember that. All right, buddy. I appreciate you. Have a great weekend, and we'll chat again soon. All right. You guys have fun. Take care. See you, Joe. Friend of the show, Joe Wrights, the former Colts offensive lineman on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Of ESPN Radio, it's Mike Wells. Mike, would you like to join in? Playing the kissy game. Alexa. <laughs> you kiss me when we're playing another day. You got it good. And it all seems he's leaving me. Yeah. <laughs> this this was a Hagen selection right here, Mike. High five in the kissing game. Reason being, tomorrow night's JMV takeover is six hours of the 1990s all request. 
What do you think about that? Man, I know we discussed this in the past. Yeah. I think the 90s, it was the best decade ever. I mean, uh, we were all born in the, we were all born between the 70s uh, in the 70s. I think the 90s from a music standpoint, television standpoint, movie standpoint was the best decade. So I'm de- all in favor if you're rolling with the 90s on a JMV takeover tomorrow night. All right. You bring up a great question. I'm going to put it out there to everybody. Not a Connecticut water question of the day, but kind of here. If we were going to choose from the 2000s, from 2000 to 2010, from the 90s, the 80s, or the 70s, I think most of us probably had some decent form of non-responsible living in one of those decades. Mike, clearly you go with the 1990s. Hagen, where do you go? I think a lot of it depends on, like, when you were at a certain age. But for me, Wells, once you threw in the movies and TV along with – I could kind of, like, give you some cred on the music of the 90s. But when you add in movies and TV, it's 80s 80s has it. Man, listen, just because you're the grandpa of this group, of the three of us on the air right now, again – and you, want, and you want to be risky I, I, business, I fast times at Ridgemont High. I'm not talking about everything, too, not just. That's movies. what I'm saying. Well yeah. said when he said if, if you include right. movies and TV, that's when he said the 90s was the best. So that's when I think the 80s and 90s could go head to head music wise. But if you add in the other pop culture stuff, I would say 80s. I would see I, I'd go back to the 70s because I was too little to know what was going on there. But I'm, I'll be honest with you, Mike. I'd love to find out and go back what was going on there because <laughs> it looked like there was a hell of a lot of fun, very unresponsible level of fun going back in the 1970s. So I'm going with that. Man, I, I think we all got an argument. I think the music-wise 90s, I think movies-wise, you could roll. I, get, I, go, I can go to the 80s. I mean, you, we talk about Risky Business, Top Gun, Karate Kid. Revenge of the Nerds, when you finally saw some boobies and everything, on Revenge of the Nerds. Uh, <laughs> the 70s had some good stuff. 90s, tele- 90s television-wise, I mean, Family Matters, Family Matters, uh, Different World. I mean, it, it just, it, I don't think you can go wrong with any of those three decades, 70s, 80s, and 90s. I don't remember the 70s. I was born in 77, but I had some great movies in the 80s. 90s, I was out there, you know, that's my baby making music rolled in the nineties. I was getting my I was getting my stamina in a different way in the nineties, if you know what I'm saying. So Let, it is yes. a win win win. Hey, I, I guess what's interesting here is nobody's gonna pick the two thousands because it's really boring and we're way too responsible and they've really sucked, right? It's Nobody, crap. Nobody's gonna pick Wait, the two thousands. JV, what's funny is you said you wish you knew what was going on in the seventies. When that song Afternoon Delight came oh, out, I yeah. thought it was about ice cream. Did you? <laughs> yeah. Some Afternoon Delight. I was like, that's great. I want some Afternoon Delight. Then you, you get older. Hey, and you Mom, hear the, can I get some Afternoon Delight? <laughs> then you, you get older and you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, Mike, we'll get to football here. Brownsburg Cathedral, you going to be there tonight? Man, I'm going to be in the house. Layla, Miss Miss Layla um, is, will be in the house. I invited Kevin Bowen. Kevin Bowen is a cathedral grad. He could be. I was, he was going to be my special guest on the sidelines at Brownsburg tonight. But Bowen ran away with his tail between his legs and didn't want to come out to Brownsburg for that Brownsburg Cathedral game. Listen, it could be Brownsburg and Center Grove next Friday in Brownsburg. If that's the case, 
I want to invite you and Miss Laney. Invite, I want to invite uh-huh. the entire Hot Shots out to Brownsburg next Friday if Brownsburg beats Cathedral tonight and Center Grove uh, handles their business. The Hot Shots would love that. I believe we're on the schedule. I've got a miss game, too, on Sunday because the CGers play oh, yeah. the uh, Brownsburgers, but I've got the Colts pregame hey, huddle. I'm going to miss the game on Sunday, too, man. I, I got a uh, – We suck. Why, why do we suck so bad? Ah. Well, see, see, here's the thing. You got the – you got – I think I'm going to win this battle, though, Jay. Uh, my son plays um, – at Brownsburg High School at 1 o'clock on Sunday, while uh, Miss Layla and Miss Laney yeah. play uh, Brownsburg at Center Grove at 12 o'clock at Franklin High School. And you get yep. the short end of the straw because you got to do a pregame show for a franchise that is flat out dysfunctional right now. So Mike, you let me tell you this. You have the yeah. worst yeah. end of that. And, while, and I'm going to let you talk about this right now, too. And, and while I, I agree that this has been a mess – I, I've had enough. As of this morning, when you get a guy like Joe Thomas coming on and talking about how gre- an egregious decision this was, there's nothing, nothing egregious about Jeff Saturday as an interim head coach. Now, it could be inaccurate, wrong, uh, misguided. There are a lot of other ways you can describe it, but you know the most egregious thing that's happened in the NFL that he has seen that's a joke. I am tired of that level of hyperbole. And while I've picked the Colts to lose on Sunday, I think rightly so, I hope they don't so they can kind of shove it up the rear end of everybody. And if that's me included because of my high level of criticism this week, then so be it. I just, I had a, a really, I, I had a level, a ceiling doubt on stuff, the hyperbole and the garbage that I heard this morning. Tired of it. Man, I didn't even realize Joe Thomas was doing television, and so I think Zach Kiefer I don't know if he did uh, tweeted out yeah. t- tweeted out the link, and he's going on he's going on a rant about what happened, what is going on in Indianapolis. That what Ursay hired is what quote unquote drinking buddy as um, the head coach. Yes, I think this this organization is this is the lowest I've seen this organization since I've lived in Indian since I'm with Indianapolis in January of 2005. Um, even even lower than the um, the Andrew Luck retirement because that's not the Colts' fault. They didn't see Andrew Luck retiring. But you're, you're right. The, the, the amount of comments and you know people make you know you know going off and saying this and that and stuff. It's comical. Do I think do I think the Colts are going to win another another game this season? They may win one, maybe two games the rest of the season if Sam Sam Ellinger's the starting quarterback. The rest of the way, it's great to see Matt Ryan is going to be the backup which means there's a chance he can get some snaps again. But I will say this, um, I, and I hope that you guys agree, I, I do believe the Colts are kind of a laughing stock right now. No, there's no doubt. Well, listen, I'm not suggesting that any of this is going to be a good decision because, to me, Jeff Saturday is going to have a job at the end of the year anyway with something here. Oh, yeah. Um, and I thought Monday Night Mike was, was more of a performance. It was almost like an in-living color skit. Um, but – to call it the most egregious thing that you have seen, I, I kind of hope it works. So then all of a sudden now, because you know this in covering the league, Mike, that everybody, if this does happen to work, if there's a snowball's chance in hell it does, this may all of a sudden, you know, may, people may start in the NFL to turn to that, that unconventional way. But I just, the, the hyperbole involved in the description of it at the end of the week, 
on these morning scream at one another shows, I'm tired of. And I'd like to see the Colts step up and do something about it. I don't think they will. I don't think they're capable of it, but I'd like to see it. Yeah, it, it, it would be. It would be. Kind of, yeah, and I'm, I'm going to say this. I, I'm going to say this from a, a, a bias standpoint. You know, I didn't cover Jeff Saturday when he played for the Colts. Um, I, I, I developed a relationship with Saturday when he started working at ESPN. He was a great sounding board for stories that I was working on and everything. Um, so I know him personally. And it would be comical if they went into Vegas and beat a, another franchise that is not only dealing with a bunch of injuries, but, you know, you know basically, you know, shoved their foot up Josh McDaniels' rear end. And, and, and beat, beat the Las Vegas Raiders, I think it would help turn the storyline around a little bit momentarily. But with that said, just the way the schedule goes and the fact that they haven't even played the best part of the toughest part of the schedule yet, it's going to be very tough for Indianapolis to have much success the rest of the season. You know, they may beat the Pittsburgh Steelers on Monday Night Football. Goodness gracious, if I'm the NFL, I'm like, God, we have the we have the Indianapolis Colts on three more primetime games. We got them on Pittsburgh, Dallas, and then the Chargers. They're, they should be one to flex out these three the Colts out of, uh, off of these primetime games. Just because, where's the hope at? I mean, you know, uh, a number of people are saying, you know, about Mike Chapel, Leonard's going on the injured reserve right now. It, it is just there. Uh, do you guys see any bright side to this team the rest of the season outside of? getting a high draft pick and maybe getting a quarterback finally? Well, here's what I think, Wells. And, yeah, you're right. I, I think for sure – I mean, I know the Cowboys are a national draw, but I think for sure they flex that primetime Sunday night game Colts at Cowboys. I don't see how they put that on TV. But um, I think what you've done here is the Boo Birds were starting to grow at home for Frank Reich and this team. And I think what you have in Jeff Saturday is a guy who's kind of boo-proof. He's a, a fan favorite. He's in the ring of honor. So they're going to say, hey, you know, Jeff's our guy. He's doing our best. And what do we have, like, only like four more home games. I don't think they're going to boo Jeff Saturday off the field like maybe they would have booed Frank off the field. So I think that's one thing as far as a cosmetic PR look. Um, but my question to you is, I don't know if you watched that whole thing on Monday night. It got pushed back to, like, after 8 o'clock and we're out there. I was wondering, as I often do, in, in a situation like this, what would Mike Wells have been asking uh, to, to Ballard or to, or to um, Jim? What were some of the things, you know, if, if you were watching or not watching, things that came to your mind that you would have maybe asked that other people didn't? Well, first off, I, I'm, I'm glad the press conference got pushed back. I was at Hinkle Fieldhouse watching the Butler Bulldogs uh, put in some work. And so the longer it got pushed back, it allowed me to be able to um, catch the press conference. But I And, and I sent Kevin Bowen a text on this. Um, I thought he asked, you know, a, a great question. It's, all right, you, you got rid of Frank Reich. So where does Chris Ballard stand in all this? Because the reality is, yes, from a, from a coaching standpoint, Frank didn't get the job done. But Ballard was the one who decided not to address the offensive line, the left tackle position. Ballard is the one who put this roster together, a roster that is completely underwhelming. And I mean that on the offensive side of the ball. I can't knock what Gus Browning and that defense is doing. But from an offensive standpoint, what is going on? And then every time Jim Irsay laughed, when you guys asked the question, I'm like, I'm like, what is so funny, Jim? I mean, your franchise 
is, you know, borderline rock bottom and you're living in the past summer, we have the fourth best winning percentage or whatever it is since 2000. Nobody cares about the past. And I think Ursay and the Colts have tried to live on the past of by bringing in Jeff Saturday, trying to get people to say, okay, Jeff was a great center. They lived in the past of guys, quarterbacks who are past their prime, bringing in, yes, uh, Phillip Rivers led them to the playoffs. But Matt Ryan is clearly on a downhill part of his, of his career. What is the direction of this franchise uh, uh, are you try, trying to go to? What, do you, what message are you trying to send the people out here? Those, I would have been pepper, er, peppering Ursay because everybody forgets. He's the one who says, oh, we can win multiple Lombardis this decade. Get the hell out of here. They, they, they can't, they're not going to win multiple division titles this decade. They may not win one division title this decade. But forget talking about multiple Lombardis. That's when you when you when you start learning the word quarantile or whatever the upper quarantile of the quarantile. Yeah. Anything you can you can go back in time and make anything put a positive spin on anything. You know you can say hey we've won two in a row at something, but maybe you lost the eighteen before that. So you, you like you said, Wells, you go back to two thousand. You say hey we're in the upper quarantile, whatever. But you haven't even won a division since twenty fourteen. You know you can't. Go down. You can't win at Jacksonville. You can't go down there and beat the Texans. Granted, you you, you snuck a tie out of that thing, but it, it is it is kind of a thing where you know what have you done for me lately? You're not an elite team in the AFC, not an elite team in your division. Uh, that's been wrestled away from you. So instead of looking back, I think they need to be looking forward, and I think that may include uh, you, you say goodbye to Chris Ballard, although. He said it more than once that, that Ballard is safe and secure, but as we know, things are very fluid, uh, especially with this Colts franchise right now. Hey, you make a mention they haven't they they haven't won a division title since um towards, since since the year they got to the AFC Championship game. Right. They've won one playoff game. One playoff game since winning a division title in twenty fourteen. This franchise, there's nothing to be proud about right now with the Indianapolis Colts. And, you know, you know, people say, well, yeah, Chris Ballard, you know, Jim Marshall said Chris Ballard um, is safe. Yeah, yeah, he, he told Chris Mortensen some weeks ago that Frank Reich and Chris Ballard is safe. Frank Reich right now, according to our, good guy, our guy Chap, is down hanging out with his family in North Carolina. He's probably at ease right now because the reality is, think about this, Jim Irsay is basically – Cut the onions off of Frank, uh, Chris Ballard. You saw it in Chris's body. You saw it in Chris's body language on, the, on during the press conference. You looked at anybody who watched our press conference. Chris Ballard wanted to be anywhere but there at what nine o'clock or eight thirty at night on Monday night. He, the control is all about uh, what, what Jim Irsay is saying now. Irsay has been a hands-off owner, but now it is strictly. Um, Jim Irsay running the show for that franchise for the most part. Somebody, uh, excuse me, uh, Mike Wells joins us of ESPN Radio on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Somebody had, had told me from over there that, uh, digitally speaking, they have all these pictures, right, a picture gallery they normally put on Colts.com of that press conference, but they did it with the Ballard ones because Ballard looked the way Ballard looked at that. And you could tell. There's no <laughs> doubt. And And to me it was more – and I'm sure you guys agree with me, it was more about the decision that he absolutely didn't agree with uh, and the call coming from over his head. And there is, there is no question at all that 
I'd be shocked if Chris Ballard remains, as Jim Irsay said on Monday, with his team after the season ends. So, so why, why, in, in your eyes, just more so, what gives you an indication? Just because of the lack of success and the, how the moves haven't panned out, how Ballard looks, what, what, well, what makes you think, I, that, okay? I, well, because I, I think that there is a huge possibility that Jeff Saturday, whom I think has a gig in that organization regardless after the year, may not end up being the head coach, but may end up being or running player personnel or guiding the team. To me, that's almost yeah. more of a possibility than him remaining the head coach. And, and you know, it's a two-way street. Ballard could leave of his own volition. He can just yeah. say, you know what, I don't like the way this is going. I'll see you later. I can find the job somewhere else in this league doing something else. So just because maybe they want to keep him around doesn't mean he, he would want to stay. I mean, because it could come with some stipulation if he were, you know, let's just assume that in Jim Mercy's mind that Chris Ballard is going to be the general manager. Come once that once that meeting comes on that Monday after the season ends, Jersey can come in with some stipulation on how it's done, or says, "Hey, I want I want um, you to hire. We're going to hire Jeff Saturday. He's going to replace Ed Dodds or Morocco Brown or whoever." But, but Jeff has, and as John mentioned. Some type of role in his organization, and it's a role in the front office. And Chris Ballard can say, "Nah, that's not that's not for me. That's just not my thing." And it, it, it's it's a damn shame because what Chris Ballard did was he did everything he said. He took care of those guys who those, those you know first and second round draft picks on the offensive line, gave them that second contract, which which they they earned. You know, Quentin Nelson, Ryan Kelly, Braden Smith earned those lucrative second contracts. What has happened is those three guys have failed. Chris Ballard to make Chris Ballard look bad because they're not living yeah. up to that second contract. They're not. They're not. They're not playing at a high level. I'm not giving Ballard a free pass because going to get you know trying to plug in Eric Fisher at left tackle after the Anthony Costando Costando retired and, and his, the prior experiment has been an utter disaster. He, Ballard does not get a pass for that left tackle spot. But those guys who he gave those contracts to, Pro Bowl players, they haven't played well. I mean, those guys asked questions earlier this season on if Ryan Kelly was going to lose his starting job. Quentin Nelson, he he's not out there, um, he's not out there pancaking anybody and giving a, giving giving their eyeballs a look at the sack or anything anymore. He's out there getting steamrolled. I mean, you know, now it doesn't look like taking um, you know Quentin Nelson so high in the draft in 2018 was a great move. Braden Smith's going right tackle, right guard, put him in a damn position. Why is the offensive line coach still on the staff? You're firing people, but the old line coach is still on staff. So I think from that standpoint, the players have failed Ballard more than Ballard failed them. I, I uh, And Mike Wells joins us. There's no doubt about that. And with the failure of that main position, the offensive line with this team, that is the by far largest reason as to why this team – is one of the, if not the most disappointing team in the NFL this year and are 3-5-1 and one, and are in absolute disarray. It's because of that offensive line failure. That has led us all down this path with this team. That's on the shoulders of Chris Ballard. And much like Frank Reich was, that's what he needs and what I believe he will be held accountable for. Yeah, and listen, you, you throw in you throw in the um, – you throw in the uh, – the fact that um, I know Jonathan Taylor's been dealing with the ankle injury and everything, but 
even without the ink, when he has played, has anybody mentioned the name Jonathan Taylor this season? He hasn't had much success because the old line hasn't been able to block for him. And one of the reasons Matt Ryan was supposed to have, have some success here is that they were going to have a running game and make it easy on him and when, he, when he had to throw the football. Instead, all Matt Ryan's been doing this year is be getting sacked and turning the ball over. Sam Ellinger comes in. I mean, I, I was uh, I was down in Franklin last weekend, and so I didn't I didn't see much of the game. And I looked at the box score on ESPN.com and saw that Sam Ellinger had been sacked nine times. I was like, was that a Jacksonville Jaguars going after Jacoby Brissett again, like in 2017? What that What the hell is going on with this old line? You know what's unfortunate, Wells, covering the NFL and just watching the NFL as long as you have. Every year, there's the preseason prognosticators and picks. But then at the end of the year, there's always one team that was supposed to be really crappy and turned out to be really good. And there's always a team that was supposed to be really good that turns out to be really crappy. And unfortunately, that year, everybody, you're pointing a finger at the Colts for being that team that was hyped up, supposed to win that division, supposed to be a contender in the AFC. And I've seen some power rankings out this week that has the Colts dead last. Then you see other teams like the Giants. You see teams like the Jets that are going out there and doing better than they were expected. You, it happens every year, but you hope your team's not on that spectrum where they're one of the ones that are supposed to be first, and it turns out they're more like the worst. Yeah, they are. And, and this, you know, I've never been asked hit up more than 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 uh, the way I have in the past couple of weeks from Matt Ryan being benched, Marcus Brady being fired, to Frank Wright being fired. They're like, hey, uh, man, don't you wish your camera? I'm like, oh, hell no. I got my bucket of popcorn, and I'm just watching this. <laughs> I'm sitting back and watching this, and I, I feel I feel for uh, the, the bee biters because it, it's like a hamster wheel with them. It is the same thing over and over every single year, the same thing over and over again. Let me ask this is a question I've been waiting, I've been holding on all week to ask um, both of you because I knew Hagen would be sitting in to, to, uh, on the show today. Outside of 2019 when Luck retired, is this the worst season? that this franchise has had in the past 20 years. And I'll give you my response, my thoughts in a second. I would say unexpectedly so. They they had a crap season in 2011 when Manning didn't play and he was hurt. But that made sense. You're like, oh, they lost a Hall of Fame quarterback. That makes sense. This season, it, it makes no sense. And it's the worst I've seen. And you, you made a point there when you listed the things about uh, – you know, Ryan benched, Brady fired, Frank fired. Go back a week or two before that when, to me, that was strange, all of a sudden they slide Ellinger up the depth chart. They slide him up to second over Foles, which then makes it a couple weeks later you slide him. So that, that to me, was the first thing that got my radar raised. Like, well, why are they – they brought in Foles. Why is he – why is Ellinger now better than he is? Well, so, uh, because the uh, the owner's meddling. Right, right. Uh, that, the that's meddling. the first little, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. That was the first embers you could see about, wow. So everybody remembers these last three big moves, but the one – that was the first one where the dominoes started falling. But, yeah, to answer your question, Wells, the most disappointing season as far as being hyped up and supposed see, to be something special, that this is my 24th season covering the team, and for sure that hit, that hit hey, home. Hey, Mike, really quick here. This season – because of the way that they played, this has kind of become who they are. I think the off-the-field stuff makes it a circus. The the meddling of the owner has made it a circus. But for me, the end of last season is far more disappointing because you had played yourself into a role on Christmas night 
and you completely crapped the bed at home and then on the road against Jacksonville to embarrass yourself beyond belief to get bounced out of the postseason. For me, at the end of the season, was worse than this. We're just kind of seeing, unfortunately, this real Colts team and especially the real Colts offensive team right now, which is leading them, I think, we would think, down a blueprint path you know, to make a, a selection of some quarterback here, hopefully for them high on this draft. And just remember, you're, you're, those last two yeah. games were disappointing last year, but the season as a whole had some high points. We're only halfway through this season. Think about what all we have in store to see. I mean, last year was just kind of pulling the rug out from under you. You're used to it by now. You know what I mean? When they lost to the Commanders at home, that's when this season, I think, as far as postseason ended. The Terry, I mean, people just thought, okay, they're done. And the Cathedral grad, Terry hey. McLaurin, get Frank Reich fired. If he doesn't catch that long bomb yeah. and Washington wins that game, they're fr- probably not hey, firing uh, Frank for a loss in New England. Hey, I'll say this because I, I know I know we got I got to get ready. You guys got to get ready to kick me off and stuff. But I didn't think anything was going to top 2015 when with Ryan with Grigson and Pagano fighting each other. Andrew yeah. Luck dealing with the lacerated kidney. Pep Hamilton getting fired, uh, getting fired halfway through the season. This one has topped it. And Hagen, I think for the first time ever, I'm going to agree with you. You made a great point. We are only at the halfway point of the season. And there's still a lot of poo-poo ahead in the Indianapolis Colts 2022 <laughs> season. And it, 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 what is going on is they're, they're, they're horrible bootleg midnight uh, can't turn off the TV horror show is, is, is surpassing what's going on on Pennsylvania Street with the Pacers. The Pacers not, may not win a lot of games, but they are so much more fun to win. And I'll end on this note. Shout out to my man Tucker Barnhart. Our guy Tucker is listening to us right now, Jay and Hagen. I know and he is. Him to find, and finally caused him to return my text message from 24 hours ago and stuff. Hey, he so he may he may life. end up he may end up back in a familiar place. You never know if you know what I mean here. But hey, hey give a shout out to 33, would you? Give some love to 33 oh, for doing some work. Hey, Come prop, on. Prop, props to Miles Turner. And I want to apologize to the Brownsburg seventh grade purple girls and the center Grove seventh girls that JMV and I will not be in the gym at Franklin High School on Sunday afternoon for the for the battle that is going to happen between the two schools. But hey, we'll be there at some point. At least it's not in Brownsburg. The last time I was in that gym, somebody threw me out of there. So <laughs> long overdue. <laughs> All right, buddy. Appreciate you. All right, talk to y'all. I uh, tell Layla we said hello. That's uh, that's the uh, lovely Layla's father right there, Mike Wells on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. On the Andy Moore Automotive Group Pylon, the voice of the Hoosiers, I'm guessing. He's not going to be at the Yorktown Chittard game tonight. He's in Columbus, Ohio, staked out at the hotel 
ready to go out and have Jeff Keg by dinner. Voice of the Hoosiers, Don Fisher, is with us. Did I get that right? Uh, everything but Keg by dinner. Oh, he always disappoints, Don. Always disappoints. Such such no. a bummer. Yeah, and speaking of bummer, you're probably bummed you can't go watch Chittard in Yorktown tonight. I would like to see that game, no question about it. Uh, but I'll be spending the night here in Columbus, Ohio, as we get ready for a football game tomorrow at 12 noon, airtime at 11 a.m. And obviously that uh, precedes anything I can do from a a pleasant standpoint tonight. <laughs> well, you could have you could have just rolled over there in the middle of the night, got in there about three in the morning or something like that. Yeah, that's really good for a seventy-six-year-old uh, who can't get enough There's... sleep the way it is. <laughs> and you're not seventy-six years old. That's such crap. There's no way. Well, I wish it was, but it's true. So what do you? Why you look younger than me? God dang you! No, I don't. Trust me. <laughs> yes, it's, yes, it's you do. It's all makeup. It's all makeup. Hey. Speaking of, <laughs> speaking of young, I'm not going to get ahead of myself at all with this IU group because I consider, obviously, the competition and the circumstances. But, man, they, they look to be loaded in the area of young talent on that squad. They got a really interesting mixture of, like, ultra-veteran dudes and very young guys right now. I like it. Well, and they got the medium range uh, uh, veterans too, because uh, Geronimo's been around a couple of years, yeah. and uh, so is uh, Trey Galloway, and Tamar Bates is his second season. So they they've got some guys that uh, are a mix that's very interesting, as you point out. And the one thing I will say at this point, John, and again, uh, it's a very light schedule that they played at this point. But the depth it looks like they have this year might be as good as we've seen. I, I'm not quite sure when we've had this much depth before because uh, Mike, Mike Woodson last year talked about the fact that he wanted to have 10 guys that could play and, and he could inter, you know, interchange and all that kind of thing. And we just thought that's fool's gold. And, and certainly last year it kind of was. Uh, but not so this year because the guys that have come back, the, the ultra veterans that you point out, which would be race and trace, Miller Cop, uh, those guys, along with Xavier Johnson, I mean, those guys obviously are veterans, but the rest of these guys are guys that have only been around a couple of years, and yet they've made huge inroads. I love the way Geronimo's playing right now. Galloway has definitively improved his shot, and he really looks good from last night in the first two games that we've seen up to this point. Tamar Bates has definitely improved. There's no question about that. There's just so many guys you can point to, and then you've got these freshmen that have come in and really have kind of changed the whole scene. So uh, it's a tremendous mix of guys at this juncture that we're seeing, and if they continue to you know, make us believe in them uh, with their play, this is going to be a special year. Don Fisher's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Something that struck me last night, and, and who knows how any of these early season games like this translate to, for example, you know, what they're going to get a week from tonight, you know, on the road at, at Xavier with, with a better team. But the one thing that I think is going to be there all season is what we saw with that Miller cop open off an offensive rebound or a skip pass where defensively they're paying much more attention to somebody else, maybe Trace, but somebody else in general. I think he's going to have a lot of those opportunities of knockdown shots as he stepped into last night. If he can do that, that's a different level of play with this team that we've seen in a while. 
Well, there's no question, and and that's the question. Can they deliver that on a consistent basis? That's that's what we haven't seen yet from an Indiana basketball team in a long time. And we've had guys, Parker Stewart last year, obviously could make a three, but did he do it consistently? No. Uh, Miller last year, uh, just obviously he not, he was never consistent. He had one tremendous game in which he scored 28 against Syracuse. And the next time he went out on the floor, he didn't score a point. And, and it was kind of that way through the year. He never had anything close to that 28-point performance again. But I think last year was uh, different for him. I, I say that in the sense, uh, you know, he came from Northwestern. And sure, they had nice crowds occasionally and that kind of thing. And he played in big venues elsewhere. But when he got to Indiana, I think this was a whole different ball game for him. And I think it affected him, I don't want to say in a negative way, but I don't think there, I don't think he was really comfortable last year. A lot of the time, this year he looks as comfortable as you could possibly be because he has had some really cool looks at this point and knocked them down yeah. when they were necessary. And you know, again, it's it's a very small sample size, and we'll see how it plays out as the year goes on. But I really like what I've seen from him thus far, and I watched him in practice, and he doesn't miss him in practice either. You know, it's it, that's um, and nothing against him at all, but that's why. He's there, and that's that's a a player like that's dream because he's going to get so many opportunities to be able to set his feet and step into threes, and then it just comes down to, as you mentioned, consistently making them. I know he did last night, but that is so necessary for this team to go to a different level of play. And I think other guys, John, in that vein have also stepped up. Like I said, Galloway hit a couple last mm-hmm. night again. He hit one, I think, in the in the Moorhead State game, and I think he had he, even in the uh, in the exhibition games he had one or two. So uh, I just think there are more guys capable of doing that, John, and that is going to be such a critical factor for this team because that's that's a weapon they have not previously had. And and to add that to the mix of Trace Jackson Davis, Race Thompson inside. And Malik Renew has just impressed me dramatically with how good he is with his feet, with his movement down low. He is strong as an ox. Um, and he's going to give people trouble inside, you know, down inside as well. He just improves the, the front line. Geronimo's improvement is dramatic, in my opinion, as well. He, he started to show this last year at the end of the season. And in the first couple of ball games, he's done it again. It's just this whole, this whole team right now just looks like it's an improved ball club, which means they put in the work over the last five months to get better, and it shows. Don Fisher joins us. He didn't shoot it great last night, but just watching in live action like that, Hood Shafino just has a different gear than others do. I mean, he just does. Yeah, he does. I mean, the thing about him that's so impressive to me uh, is this guy looks as comfortable on the floor as a freshman yeah. as any senior I've ever seen. He just goes out there and plays. And and he's still learning exactly what Coach Woodson wants him to do and how he wants him to play and the role he wants to fill. But I just like I think I like the way he goes about his business out there. He is all business on the court. Uh, he's not screwing around ever. And when you watch him play, there's just a, a, a basketball IQ that you see in this kid, and uh, that's special as well. Uh, and I love what I think Xavier Johnson, I think in the first two exhibition games, he was really forcing things again, kind of like he started out last year at times. 
Uh, and then the last two ball games, the ex, the uh, two regular season games that we've played up to this point, he has settled down and he's letting the game come to him a little bit more. I just see improvement every place I look. And I, I, I think that's the key to this basketball team right now is what Coach Woodson has gotten those guys to believe in and do uh, in the offseason to get ready for this year. You think about this backcourt uh, with, with Hood Shafino and, and, and Xavier Johnson compared to what we have seen in the past with, you know, some of the more, I guess, successful backcourts that you in recent history can remember. Um, what do you think about this group maybe added up against some of those? Well, I, I, it's hard. To, again, the, the sample size is not big enough for me to really kind of judge these guys at this point. But there is nothing that I haven't seen at this juncture that I don't like. I, I just, I, there's nothing that you can point to that would say, man, if, 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 if there's something they're doing wrong. You know what I'm saying? I mean, yeah, right. literally, there's, right. I don't see anything. I don't see any negatives right now. And, uh, you know, there are going to be nights when guys don't hit shots and all those kinds of things. We know that. That's just basketball. It's college basketball. And there's going to be teams that, you know, can take advantage of whatever weaknesses we're going to find that Indiana has. But right now, I'm not seeing a lot of that. And that's what intrigues me the most about this basketball team because they just seem to have so many different pieces. And, of course, it's Mike's job to make sure that that continues and he can fit those pieces together because this team has as much talent as I've seen in a while. And, uh, again, injuries and all those kinds of things can come into play. But right now, when you look at this ball club, you have to be impressed with what you see. You mentioned Mike Woodson had told you that he would would like to rotate 10, correct, game yeah, after game. What, yeah, that's what he said. He said that last year. And he was hoping yeah. to get 10 guys that could play and, and guys that he could piece together uh, different rotations, that kind of thing. And, and you remember last year, John, we've talked about this before, I think, but you remember last year that he would sub in three or four guys at a time. Uh, and it probably would happen in the first seven, eight minutes of the ball game. And Indiana might've had an eight or 10 point lead and it would dissipate to almost nothing um, or, or they'd get behind, uh, especially against the better teams that they faced. And, and it was such a problem to put out that many guys at one time last year. But that's what Mike wants to do. He wants to have it more like an NBA rotation-type scenario where you can stick in there three or four guys uh, at a time and not lose anything. And so far, it's worked. I mean, <laughs> the last two games, the two regular season games compared to the two exhibition games, well, the two exhibition games, the starters started out strong. In the two regular season games they played, they started out a little bit slower. didn't look quite as sharp. The two ball clubs that they played uh, stayed with them for the first five to seven minutes. And when he put those uh, second teamers in there, all of a sudden they got a spark and they started pulling away. They did it again last night. So it just looks to me like uh, he's got so many pieces that he could fit together out there. It's just going to be fun to watch and see how he does it. In this era, too, of college basketball, that's a high wire act to try to get that, to try to pass out so many minutes to so many different players because it is so easy for somebody to say, all right, well, I didn't get enough clock tonight, so, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get out of here. Easier than ever, certainly now. That's, that's a hell of a job you have, a <laughs> task that you have if you're Mike Woodson. You're, you're, I've talked about that with two or three people over the last couple of weeks uh, after watching this team play. 
uh, there's no question that Mike has his work cut out for him in that vein because, again, playing time is what players want. They want to be on the floor, you know, 25, 30 30 minutes, you know, that kind of thing. And if they don't get that kind of time, uh, it starts to be a problem for some. And they're not looking at it from we're all in for the team basis. They're looking at it from – Gosh, I need those minutes to to show what I can do, so I can get to the next level. That's that, you know, that's what they're all thinking. Right. Uh, somehow, some way, you've got to you've got to be able to quell that kind of thinking, and remember, uh, have these guys remember this is a team game and it's a team sport, and you're not going to go anywhere from a winning losing standpoint uh, if you're going to have a, an attitude where the team doesn't come first. And I think that'll be the Maybe the I don't know if it'll be the biggest challenge that Mike will have this year, but right now it looks like that would be number one at this point. Well, and it's it's interesting because it's almost like that's exactly Don what you want, but then the downside is you have to deal with it, and that's the right. reality of it. <laughs> exactly right. I mean, yeah, yeah, you got. I mean, I mean, think about it. I mean, Geronimo's getting like maybe twelve minutes or fifteen yeah. minutes of ball game yep. right now. Yep. Well, he is such a great athlete, and he he has the tools to be special. And I think he's gotten to be more special now than and last year at the end of the season than any time in his career. And I think that's just going to continue to grow. Tamar Bates, he's a guy that came in here with uh, all kinds of accolades and really had a struggling year last season because of some personal situations that he was dealing with, and never kind of you know after he after he played in the Bahamas and and. Uh, started the season on a hot streak. Uh, it just didn't come to fruition. He started letting the other, well, the other problems obviously kind of overwhelmed him to some degree, and he was not the same player much of the rest of the season. And, and now this year he's made dramatic improvement uh, just on how he goes about his business out there. So uh, these are all guys that feel like they deserve a lot of minutes. And uh, right now with 10 guys, uh, you're going to have to try to spread that out as evenly as possible and I don't know how easy that's going to be. And not only that, but then you have to, to figure out in-game situations, who you're going to close with. You know, of all that 10, rotationally speaking, you've got to figure out who's playing, who you need at those moments to best close a game in some right. situations. So, man, that's, that is a high-wire act. There's no doubt. It's, it's great. It's great you had that possibility. But, man, that is tough to manage, especially in this era. Yep, and and think about it. I mean, kind of you you looked at Purdue last year, and it looked like they had kind of that same issue. I mean, I'm they not did. saying that yes. they had problems, but they had a ton of talent that they were utilizing on the floor, and and Matt Painter was, uh, uh, you know, uh, dishing out minutes to a lot of different people last year, and whether that affected them at the end of the season, I don't know. But I do know this: that as we pointed out, and you pointed out right here. It's not an easy thing to do with the players of today and with the NIL and the portal that they've got the players have to go to if they want to. Man, it's, it's a tough job. And one final thing with Don Fisher regarding IU basketball last night is I can't remember at what point it was in the season a year ago. Can you remember where Xavier Johnson, and I'll put it this way, just kind of on the floor, chilled, and became more of the relied-upon player that we saw. I can't remember when it was. Can you remember a game when – because there was a point he's going too fast, doing too much, and then there was yeah. kind of that moment where he, he chilled 
and was a much more valued player after that. I can't remember the game, but I know the last 10 games of the season, probably eight of those were his best moments. He played some of his best basketball in those last 10 games of the season. I mean, he was terrific in the Big Ten tournament. Uh, Even when he wasn't making shots, he was making plays for his teammates. He was uh, running the pick and roll really well. Uh, I thought the last 10 games of the season last year, and I can't go back and tell you what game I specifically that it was where we saw a big change in him, but it was basically the last 10 games of the year, and he was just a different player. Yeah, he was. All right. You want to dive into any football tomorrow? Coming up at noon is the kick, 11 a.m., your pregame. You talk about a tall task. So <laughs> there it is. <laughs> yeah. 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 It, here's what you got on your plate today. <laughs> well, the, yeah. on their plate tomorrow is going to be the toughest test of the year because they're playing the number two team in the country. They're still unbeaten, has tools like you can't believe to work with. Uh, they're playing – their playing talent is just, uh, I don't think anybody in the Big Ten can match it. Uh, that doesn't mean that you can't get beat, but uh, Michigan proved that last year with their upset of Ohio State. But look, I, I just look at it this way. Indiana's got to come out. They've got to, they've got to fix the offensive line, which I don't think is fixable, but they've got to somehow find a way to at least make it palpable. And I don't know that that's even possible at this point. And if they do that – Connor Bazelak will be back in the starting lineup tomorrow. I don't think there'll be any doubt in that regard. Uh, he may get some help there as the game progresses, depending on how things flow. But if they get off to a really bad start uh, in this ball game and don't get off to a nice start, and I'm not saying they're going to do anything dominant, but you know they kind of kind of it would be hoped that they would get off to some kind of a start tomorrow that doesn't put them in such a big hole that they can't get out of it right away and make this a competitive battle. That's what I'm hoping for because I can't, I can't realistically look and say Indiana's going to win this game tomorrow in any way, shape, or form just based on what we've seen from this football team in the last six games. Just try to keep it interesting, too. You know what I mean? Keep everybody engaged. And kind of like not so much like the Colts where you do it off the field and turn it into a bit of a circus, not like that. But, yeah, keep things interesting, right, and then I guess see what happens. I, yeah, I don't know how else to put it in a matchup like what you're going to be calling tomorrow? Well, I, 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 I don't know what the line is in this ball game, but I heard it was astronomical. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, yeah, yeah. it's your age. You don't put, <laughs> that, that, I don't mean that. that. I mean, it's 40. It's 40. I'm no. suggesting you look more like you're 40. So, yeah. Yeah, well, I wish that was true. But here's the thing, John. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard of a 40-point line before. I'm not saying it hasn't no. happened. But I don't, I don't, I never look at the line, so therefore I don't know if it's happened recently or, or any time in the last 10 years. I have no idea. But to, to be a 40 point underdog in a football game, wow. That's saying it's that. John Herrick's age and his 40 time. Right there. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is. All right, John. I'm going to find out what John's 40 time is tonight. So. Oh, well, go run it. Go run him in the parking lot. So, see see what happens. Hey, uh, have a great call regardless. 11 a.m. on WIBC here locally on the uh, the CareSource Radio Network coming at you tomorrow morning, correct? I hope they're I, – yeah, yes, John, that is correct, and I hope that they shock me tomorrow. I, I hope that they all come up to me after the ball game and say, see how stupid you were yesterday? <laughs> I, uh, I hope that happens, but – 
I ain't holding my breath. Well, <laughs> you know that I'm a full-time listener to you, and I just hope you have a little bit of fun up there because I don't know how much fun you've been having recently. So I, uh, I need more fun out of you. Yeah, well, I'd like to have a little fun myself. So, yes, uh, that would be that would be interesting tomorrow to make it fun. Yeah, it would. Yeah, you no doubt. All right, well, tell everybody over there we said hello. Have a great call. We'll do it next week, Don. Yeah, I, saw, I hate to sound like Debbie Downer, but, you know, like no. you, I want to salute our veterans because, man, Veterans Day is so important, and these guys deserve everything that they get from a lauding standpoint because – they have given many of them have given their lives for us, and we so, so many to give it back to them. So, so, so many people, and um, it, it needs recognized, Don. I think we both agree on this more than just one day, or certainly. So, yeah, but, absolutely, uh, we have this one day, and we do it as much as we can to recognize just the gift that they have uh, given us all. No doubt. Yep. No question. That's that. The reason we're here is because of them. Yep. All right, have a great call. 11 a.m. WIBC here locally tomorrow morning, Don. Appreciate it. Thanks, John. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time.